Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, today is the day that, that many people all over the world have been waiting for. I mean, so much anticipation week after week building up for this moment. It's, it's the beginning of the end. Today, millions of people will be tuning in to watch the season premiere of the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Who will end up on the Iron Throne? Will it be the, the conniving and backstabbing Cersei Lannister? Will, will Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons, will she, will she ride in on a humble dragon and, and get the kings of each of the territories to bend the knee? Or will it be Jon Snow, the, the one who doesn't even know that he is the rightful heir to the throne? Well, no matter what, there's going to be plenty of battles. There's going to be a lot of battles until we find out who is the ruler of that throne. And we're going to see their armies with, with, with their banners waving, with their sigils marked on them, their sigils on their shield and on their armor. It's going to be a pretty intense few episodes. And by the way, I can't watch it tonight because I've got homework, so no spoilers. Okay, so let's bring it out of the land of fantasy and HBO and, and bring it down into reality, something a little bit, a little bit closer to home. In hour, maybe two hours... South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg is going to make some sort of announcement. I have no idea what it could be. Maybe he's going to announce that he's throwing his hat in the ring to run as a Democratic presidential candidate. But regardless, we know that very, very soon we're going to start to see campaign ads and campaign signs and signs being waved at rallies, right? The U.S. political system is about to raise up to a fever pitch. Now, I know that, that in our country we've got this divide between, between Democrat and Republican, so let's, let's bring it to the center, shall we? We've got, we've got our own nationalistic pride. I think of, of when we go to a parade or a Veterans Day parade or where, where the veterans come in and we wave our American flags saying, thank you for your service. Thank you, men and women who, who fought for us. I think of the majestic bald eagle, our sigil, strength, wisdom, and might, emblazoned on coins and so much of our money. We are House America. That's kind of what's going on in our reading today. The sermon is titled, Freshly Cut Branches. It's Palm Sunday. We, we wave our palms and, and we sing our hosannas. And branches are definitely mentioned in our reading, although it's only in John's gospel where he specifically says palm branches. And so why do we wave them? Because each of the accounts all say that they had branches, Matthew's account says that they laid their branches down. None of the accounts say that they were actually waving them. So why do we make such a big deal of it? Why don't we call it Cloak Sunday, right? Just like I was saying with the kids, I noticed as I was, as I was preparing for the message this week that cloaks are the things that seem to take center stage in this account, not palms. It says that, that um, 
that most of the people laid their cloaks down, and some of them cut down branches. So why don't we call it Cloak Sunday, or, or maybe Donkey Sunday, right? There's, there's a big deal about the donkeys, or, or, or how about Colt Sunday? Oh, well, here in Indianapolis, that means something totally different in fall, right? Where Colt Sunday is like every other week. But one of my favorite questions when, when wrestling with Scripture is, what is going on here? Part of what's going on here is there's a whole lot of nationalistic imagery. The first thing I want to look at is riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And we use that imagery, and we, and we look and we say, oh, humble Jesus, riding on, on a lowly donkey. And in, in some ways, that's, that's kind of true, right? Because this is, this is diametrically opposed to Rome, who would ride in in parades and victory parades on a horse, a horse which is an animal of war, Rome and Caesar. Maybe on this very day, Pilate is riding into Jerusalem from the other side of the city on a horse, flanked by soldiers and, and flags and, and banners, and in fact, that Roman imagery of riding in on a horse and, and fancy clothes and whatnot would eventually go on to influence the Roman Catholic Church. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. And so instead of on, on, on the mighty horse that Rome uses, Jesus rides in on a donkey, on a beast of burden. For Israel, a donkey was a common form of transportation. This is how they would get around from town to town. It was easy. And this isn't even Jesus' donkey, but, but he borrows it, hires it, if you will. It's almost like Jesus Ubered a donkey for the day. And while Jesus was riding in on a donkey, while that was a stark contrast to Rome, Jesus riding in on a donkey is the furthest thing from humble. It's actually a pretty gutsy move, if I can say that. Because Matthew says that, that he did this to fulfill the prophecies from Zechariah 9.9. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Matthew says, guys, because Matthew is writing primarily to Jewish readers, look, here is where in our scriptures it foretells this. Here is how Jesus is fulfilling this. They expect a king to ride in town on a donkey on a humble beast of burden. But it's even more than that Zechariah passage from 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 32 through 40. David is setting up the inauguration of his son Solomon. And he says, Have Solomon, my son, mount my own mule. Have Nathan the prophet anoint him as king over Israel. He is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. Solomon the son of David, riding in on his father's mule to take his father's throne. Bethphage, the town that Bella mentioned, was about a mile away from Jerusalem. Jesus walked so many places in his ministry, he could clearly walk a mile. And so why does he choose to ride on a donkey? so that he can fulfill the prophecy and show the people, I'm the one you're waiting for. It's not like Jesus goes, hey, get me a donkey. <gasps> I just fulfilled a prophecy. No, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the image that this was going to portray. 
He knew that people would remember these scriptures and go, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the person we've been waiting for. And then it says that a very large crowd spread their their cloaks, pardon me, spread their cloaks on the road. Most of the crowd who was there did this. As I told the kids, this is an act of submission. This is rolling out the red carpet, if you will. And not just for celebrity Jesus, the one who has done all this amazing teaching and, and amazing miracles over the last few years. But for a king. Also looking back to 2 Kings chapter 9, Jehu is, is being anointed king over Israel, and it says, they quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps, and then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. They are submitting themselves and saying, Jesus the prophet is our king. And seemingly, this just starts happening. And it catches on. On on one short, one-mile journey, people are going crazy. This is the king. Take off your cloaks and lay them down. You do it too. This is Cloak Sunday. They're laying down their cloaks for him to walk into Jerusalem and take his throne. And while a large crowd spread out their cloaks, it says others cut branches from trees, and spread them on the road. Israel was known for her palm trees. Jericho especially was known as the city of palms. The temple was adorned with carvings of palms. And palm was a major trade source for Israel. The entire tree could be used from from lumber to oil, You could make a a wine-like liquor out of it. Now, I've told you guys before, I'm a city boy. I am not a botanist. I understand that apples come from apple trees. Oranges come from orange trees. Avocados come from avocado trees. Did you know that there are different palm trees, and some grow coconuts, and some grow the superfood acai berries, and some grow dates? How old were you when you knew that palm trees grew dates. I was yesterday old. <laughs> I had no, and dates are so good. And you think of all of these things that the palm tree can do. Palms were the cash crop for the ruling Romans to extract money from Israel. Israel was proud of their palm trees. And so it was a symbol of nationalistic pride. Coins, the imperial coins used around that time would have palms or palm branches carved into them. And it was kind of like a national flag waved at parades. Going to the books of, of, of the Maccabees in the intertestamental period, from, first from 1 Maccabees, it says the Jews entered Jerusalem with praise and palm branches because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. And then from 2 Maccabees, it says that they were carrying ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches and fronds of palm. And they offered hymns of thanksgiving to him who had given success to the purifying of his holy place. 
what does Jesus do after he enters triumphantly into the city? He cleanses the temple. You think Jesus isn't up to something? Jesus isn't tapping into to the collective memory, the collective history of the Jews of that time. He rides in like a king. They start laying their cloaks down because they see him as a king. They're waving their palm branches because they see him as a king of someone who's going to defeat their enemies, someone who's going to clean out the temple. Hosanna, son of David, king and Messiah, save us. You come in the name of the Lord. All Jesus had to do was ride in on a donkey and everybody else starts, starts, starts picking up inhaling him as son of David and Messiah King. The people there were picking up what he was laying down or they were laying down what he was. The people there smelled what Jesus was cooking and they were eating it up. And things are getting exciting. And they took it the rest of the way with their coats and their palms and they got it right. He is a king. They got it right to a certain point. In some ways, they're also getting it wrong. Hosanna. If you were here in, in Bible study, Martin's said that how, how the, the, the uh, I think it was the Anna of Hosanna is, is like now. Save us now. We need saving now, son of David, one who is, is to take the throne. We need saving now. And so what did they need to be saved from? What did they expect Jesus to do? Did they expect Jesus to assume his place on the throne? Did they expect Jesus to rule again? To rule over Israel? Did they expect Jesus to get rid of the Roman rule and allow Israel to be a holy nation once again? Is that what Jesus came to do? Jesus came to sit on a throne but not the way that the people thought. Jesus came to rule, but not in the way that the people thought. Jesus came to overthrow the enemy, but not the enemy that the people thought. And in order to do all those things, Jesus, the Messiah King, he had to go to his proper throne, the cross, where he would wear a crown but a crown of, throne, of thorns. What is it that we want Jesus to do for us? Do we want Jesus to be our earthly ruler? To be our president? Or do we want him to be our king? Do we want Jesus to rule our nation? Or do we want Jesus to rule our hearts and rule his kingdom? Do we want Jesus to overthrow our political enemies, even the enemies that we each have within the political system here in America? Or do we want Jesus to overthrow the enemies of Satan and sin and death forever? Brothers and sisters, we should get whipped up into a frenzy at Jesus riding in whipped up into a fervor for his coming. We should roll out the, the red carpet for him, submitting our lives and submitting ourselves to him and to his rule. We should cry out, Hosanna, son of David, save us. And we should wave our palm branches. But I think it's for a reason different than what we often think. 
On Palm Sunday, we do celebrate Jesus riding in on a humble donkey. And, and with the benefit of, of hindsight, we're able to, to see him riding in and heading towards his cross for us. We see our king riding on the royal highway that John the Baptist and the prophets before him started paving the way. But we don't wave the palms necessarily because that's what they did on that first Palm Sunday. Because did they? It doesn't say that they did, and it doesn't say that they didn't. But I think we, there's, there's a very different reason why we wave palms. We wave palms on Palm Sunday in anticipation of his return. When Jesus comes again, this time riding on a white horse of victory, the white horse from battle after he has defeated Satan once and for all, riding in and bringing eternal salvation for us. Revelation chapter 7 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And the crowd cried out with a loud voice, not Hosanna, save us now. They cried out, salvation belongs to our God and who the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb. He has already won the salvation. So he is coming back to bring us into his heavenly home forever. That's why we wave palm branches in celebration of him riding on to die in an anticipation of him riding back in the ultimate victory. Freshly cut branches to wave in victory of Jesus, the king of the universe, because salvation belongs to him. In Jesus' name, amen.